Okay, so it is the month of love. It's the month of love. And we are going to, to lean into that over the next couple of weeks. Um, don't worry. If, you, if you're not in love, like, it's okay. We're going to give you plenty to chew on over the next couple of weeks. Because, I mean, we're talking about relationships, right? That is re- relationships are the stuff of life. Like, you can't live and exist. Not even just live and exist. You can't thrive without thriving in relationships. And so we, we've got to learn how uh, to be healthy in relationships. We've got to learn how to understand people more, to listen more, right? Has anybody gotten a situation where in the end, like, and it was bad, but in the end you realize we weren't at odds. We were just, we just didn't understand, right? So we're, we're going to lean in this week and next week. Um, and, um, you know, I, I love this topic because it is kind of an area where I, 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 God's used me. I've leaned in. I, I've enjoyed counseling and coaching and mentoring. And um, I've done a whole lot of that over the years. My dad, before me, he's pastor for 48 years. And so, like, every pastor kind of has a focus. One of his was, like, counseling. And so I get to stand on his shoulders. And then for 25 years as a pastor, 22 years here at Bethel, I've actually, I think I've had a couple conversations with some of you in this room uh, when it comes to relationships and navigating some stuff. And so God's kind of given me able to be, lean into that. And I'll ask, cool and all, but can I just say, that doesn't nearly qualify me as much as all the stupid stuff I've done in 22 years of marriage. Like, I can help some people out here because I've made some mistakes. I've done some dumb stuff. Um, I've said some stupid things. I've been insensitive. I've been mean. I've been angry. I've let my wife down, said things that hurt her. I've just been a flat-out jerk. All of the above and then some. Now, my wife is actually leaving for a a girl's trip. By the way, marriage tip, send your wife on a girl's trip. Um, She's leaving on a girl's trip, so she's not here. But I promise you she would confirm all of the above that I just said. Okay, promise. However, she would also be very quick to take ownership herself. That believe it or not, my wife has done some stupid things too. Um, She's made some mistakes in her marriage. Far less than me, but still, she's made some. And, uh, you know, of all the the stupid stuff and all the lessons learned over 22 and a half years of marriage, do you know what we've learned the most that has created the most pain and, like, flat-out suffering? You know what we've learned? What creates the most of that is when we are selfish. When we put me before the we of the relationship. When we get so focused, focused, focused on this, 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 that we forget to think about the other person. It's created pain. It's created difficulty. It's created years of going through some cycles. Anybody familiar with that? When I talk about cycles in relationships, anybody know what I'm talking about? And um, 
So we've had to learn a lot about how to navigate through that. And instead of putting me before we, putting the we of our relationship before me, before the individual. Now, thankfully, as we talk about this, we're gonna talk about the power of we, like getting into line, we're gonna talk about it. Thankfully, I'm so grateful that we are not alone in our selfishness. In fact, if everyone here could just raise your hand, everybody online, could everybody just raise your hand, please. Full participation, come on, everybody raise your hand. I know I've done this before, but I feel like it's just, sometimes you gotta face reality. Everybody raising their hand, keep them up, please. These are all the selfish people in the room. No, no, keep them up, keep them up. Now look around at the other selfish people because they have struggled with this selfishness, okay? Like they've had some, they've created some pain because of their selfishness, just like you have. You can put them down now. So we're gonna lean in. We're gonna talk about a lot of stuff today. Um, and I, I think I'm gonna be able to give you some help because the universal truth is that, that when we get more focused on ourselves than others, bad things are gonna follow. I mean, maybe not immediately, but definitely beyond a shadow of a doubt, eventually, okay? When, when me becomes greater than we, you create distance in relationships. And by the way, the bulk of what I'm gonna teach today applies to all kinds of relationships, not just to your marriage relationship. Because I know everybody in the room's not married, but everybody in the room has dealt with selfishness. So look, you're, you're, you're already getting something here, okay? And some of you, you're gonna face reality today that you, you've got some areas in your life where there's been pain, anxiety, pressure. Anybody got some of that in your life right now, right? Like four of your participants, okay. Some of you, you got some of that in your life and today you're gonna face reality that guess what? The problem isn't them after all, it's actually you. Because you got more focused on yourself than on someone else in a business partnership, in your parenting. You mean this me and we thing works in parenting? Mm. Maybe in some friendships, you've got some, some friendships where there's been some, some distance and you're like, you just can't put your finger on it. Why has there been distance in the relationship? Because all of a sudden you switched from giving to getting. So it works in every area. Like when you get more focused on you, distance begins to be created. And when distance created, people feel misunderstood and they feel unloved. And eventually that's going to break relationship. It's gonna break trust. It's gonna break intimacy, emotional, physical. It'll break that when you get more focused on you. Because here's the deal about, so let's talk about marriage now for a second. Marriage, an intimate relationship, it's not where you go to get something. Now I know I'm gonna stereotype a little bit throughout this service. Some of these are pretty safe. Gentlemen, marriage is not where you go to get sex. I mean, it is, but that wasn't, <laughs> that could have been misinterpreted. <laughs> I imagine that one sound bat being played on YouTube, like, listen to what this preacher said. Uh, it's where you go to give completely, entirely of yourself. You gotta give everything. More on that a little later. Now, a lot of what I'm gonna apply, uh, teach and kind of dive into, I'm gonna share a lot from my own journey. Um, you know, when you've been married for 20, let's, you know, let's real quick. 
Who's been married 40 years in the room? Everybody raise your hand if you've been married 40 years in the room. Yeah, come on, that's my in-laws. Who's been married 45 years in the room? Come on, that's my mother and father-in-law. Like, we'd be awesome, guys. My mom and dad are coming up on 55 years. And you guys are coming up on the big 5-0, right? The big 5-0. It's this year, isn't it? Everybody say happy anniversary to my in-laws. Because they're awesome. Oh, where was the other couple? Where? Oh, I didn't see your hands. Maybe it's the light. How many years you got? 50. Come on. So I know I'm just a beginner to some in the room, but uh, I've learned some stuff the hard way. Has anybody learned anything the hard way? And so I, I want to share some of this from, with you guys. And um, let me start with the, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. That's a good place to start, right? 1 Corinthians 13, it's one that most of us know. Um, so I'm going to read it out of a different version to maybe give some fresh perspective and insight. So we're going to read it out of the Passion Translation, uh, which I highly recommend. It's great. 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4 out of the Passion. Love, oh man, I love this. Love is large and incredibly patient. Now, I know some of you could just stop right there and go and reflect on that. Because how many people in the room, not the patient people? Just quick raise of hands. Yeah, I'm gonna raise both hands. So just, this is, we're talking about love, right? It's incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements, nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame, and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Just interject this here. Love joyfully celebrates honesty. When you're not willing to face reality of what's going on in a relationship. Again, any relationship. Some of you have some business partnerships that you are sticking your head in the sand, acting like it's gonna work out, and it's dishonest. See, this love thing, this isn't just for us among believers, right? Love is love. The Bible says they're gonna know us by our our love. Love joyfully celebrates honesty. And sometimes that means you've got to have the guts to face reality and to speak truth in love. I'm not talking about unloading on someone just so you feel better. That doesn't tend to be in love. I mean, it's in love, but only love for yourself. So love rejoices in in honesty. Verse seven, love is a safe place of shelter. For it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Now, let me ask you a couple questions here. Are these verses about giving or receiving? Which one? Tell me. 
They're about giving. Are these voices verses about what you get, or are they more about what you give to others? You or others, which one? Are these verses about me? Like, I need to be loved. Show me love. Show me love. Show me love. Or are they about we? They're about we. And I think sometimes we can get so caught up in what we want and what our needs are that we forget love at its core is about what we give. Love at its core is not about just us receiving it, but it's about us giving it away to others. That may occasionally happen in a marriage. That may occasionally happen in a friendship. That may occasionally happen, listen, when you take these principles and you got a team at work that you are frustrated with and you are blame, 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 and you start applying the principles of love and you start saying, what can I give? Everything changes. You start applying this in your marriage. What can I give? What can I give? How can I show love? How can I show up? Everything begins to change. Because I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot of people say, well, we're just not in love anymore. Anybody heard somebody say this? First of all, love is not a feeling. Love is a commitment. Amen? It is a commitment till death do us part. Secondly, when it comes to we're just not in love anymore, here's the, the reality. Most often, it is not an issue of a lack of love it's an issue of a lack of understanding. You might say it's a lack of communication and trust, but we think it's a lack of love. And you know why? Because we're lazy in relationships. That's not in my notes, that just came out. We're, we're flipping lazy, people! Because what, what I'm gonna talk to you about today is not just, we're not gonna go surface level. Five love languages is great, take it, do it, that's awesome. We're not gonna talk about date nights today. We're going deep, everybody say, everybody say deep. So the first time Katie and I ever went to a marriage counselor, it was about 12, 13 years ago. I'm horrible at time stamping. And uh, things have been a little rough for a while in our relationship and um, just a lot of tension, a lot of stress, work stress, financial stress. Has anybody ever had financial stress in your life? Okay, good, I'm not alone. And Katie had been like, hey, we, we should do some counseling. We should do some counseling for like two years. And I was like, no, we're just gonna pray about it. Come on, babe, let's read a devotional book together. You work on you, I'll work on me. Let's, let's grow through this. And then came the day that I'll never forget when we were, having a little bit of a blow up. And in the heat of the moment, my wife looked at me and she said, I don't know if I wanna be married to you anymore. And I said, let's go to counselor. <laughs> I'm a smart guy, right? So we went to a counselor. And what did that counselor do? He helped us get back, helped us to hear and understand each other and to get back into alignment. One of my favorite words, you're gonna hear a lot about that today. Get back into alignment. Because love wasn't the concern, but we weren't hearing and understanding each other. So the next time we went to a counselor was actually just back in 2020. Now, I highly recommend maintenance. Do you know when people come to me as a pastor for counseling? 
Do they come to me for maintenance or do they come to me in crisis? Please stop doing that. I mean, I love you. Maintenance is much better. Like, you know, that car you got, if like every 5,000 miles you do that, some of you 3,300 miles, whatever, and you get that oil change and you take it in, is it going to last longer or shorter? Which one? Longer, right? Guess what? Your marriage might last a little longer if you take care of it along the way until wait until the transmission falls out while you're driving down the freeway. Don't do that. Okay, so we went to a counselor. So there was, at that time, our marriage was good. We were not in crisis. But there was some underlying tension that just kept coming up. Most days were good, right? But Katie was angry with me, and I was frustrated with her. And every now and then, it would blow up and it would come out. And we would be like, where'd that come from? I'm not gonna ask you if you can relate because most of you in this room can't. And things would be fine for weeks, even months. And then all of a sudden, something would come along, something would come up, something would blow up and we'd have this moment when it happened and then we'd be like, who is this person I'm married to? This isn't what I signed up for. Like, how, how did we get into this place? I know many of you have been there. And so instead of waiting until the wheels fell off, we were like, we need to get some help. Pastor Mary and Pastor Steph had told us about the Blessing Ranch, which was a ministry in, in Florida, and they do these week-long marriage intensives, five days. You basically cram two years of marriage counseling into five days. The word intensive is extremely appropriate, okay? Mentally, emotionally exhausting. And we were like, okay, we're in, let's go. And so we went for five days. And on the other side of deep work, everybody say deep work. We found out some stuff that we didn't even know. Now, myself, I knew going into the marriage intensive, I knew just what Katie needed to work on. I knew what she needed to let go of. I knew what she needed to change. I mean, it was a list. <laughs> no, I didn't. Steph, Steph said, you didn't give it to her. I was like, no, I'm, I'm smarter than that. You've taught me better than that. If I would have told Pastor Marion, he would have been like, slapped me in the back. He would have given me a gib slap right there. Um, so I, I knew what she needed to do. I knew what the solutions were. Like, hey, here's the hot spots in our relationship. Here's where the tension's coming from. I had it all like lined out. Is that what happened, everybody? Yes or no, Mark, you're an idiot. Yeah. Some of you are like, I can't call him an idiot. He's preaching. It's okay. Ignorance. Ignorance was not bliss. I had, listen guys, it was more, I had more work to do than I ever could have imagined. And I had blind spots that I was fully unaware of. Just like all of you, look at somebody in this room and say, you got blind spots. We all have them and we're not gonna be able to see them without some help of someone else coming into the mix and saying, hey, 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 let me help you out a little bit. You got some blind spots. And so we went into this thing and we came out with some, powerful new tools. 
some biblical frameworks and perspectives that we did not have before that, and it has shifted the trajectory of our marriage over the last year and a half or so. Is our marriage perfect? Yes or no? <laughs> no, 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 no. But we ain't where we used to be, amen? And we have made progress in the right direction, and we still got these tools that on a daily basis, we're, we're dipping into that bag, into that toolbox, and we're pulling them out. How many would like some more tools in your marriage and in relationships in general? If so, say yes! Somebody over here tried to scream. The rest of you, didn't, you weren't obedient there. Um, all right, so let's go deep. Let's talk about three areas where if you wanna get understanding and alignment in your relationship, and by the way, again, any relationship. Now, most of this stuff's gonna apply to any relationship until I get to point three when I start talking about sex. So now you're gonna stick around till the third point. So fair warning for any young ears in the room, I'm not gonna get crude or we're not going deep there. In fact, we're gonna, go, we're gonna talk about that in a way most of you don't wanna talk about it about the real stuff, but most of this is gonna apply everywhere. So three areas, like any relationship in your life, these three areas are important. You've got to bring them into alignment. Everybody say alignment. So area number one that you gotta bring into alignment is you've gotta be aligned in purpose. Everybody say purpose. You've gotta be aligned in purpose. Now again, like I could give you some warm, fuzzy, feel-goody stuff, and you could walk out of here and like, we had a great Valentine's date night. I got a pink shirt and it was awesome. But I'm gonna give you some deep stuff. The stuff that you haven't been talking about probably. And you're gonna need some help to navigate through, but we're gonna get started. Understand your shared purpose. First thought, under being aligned in purpose. You have a shared purpose. Look, look, if you're married and you're in the room, look at him and say, we got a purpose. Matthew 5, 13 to 16 says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine for others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This has just got to be said plainly. Some of you in your marriage, you've lost its flavor, its saltiness. You've lost passion. And you think it has to do with a whole lot of things, but one of the core reasons you've lost passion is because you ain't got no purpose. It is not enough of a purpose to get the kids to and from school and all their activities. Oh my goodness, could they have more activities. I mean, they're fed and clothed, mostly. If you have teenage boys, how do they even pick their clothes? I give them brushes, they don't use them. Okay, it's not enough to keep them alive. It is not enough of a purpose to say, we work hard and we pay our bills and we get to take a seven day vacation once a year. If your marriage is flat, it could be because nobody in the marriage is living on a purpose. You're supposed to be the light of the world. You're not supposed to survive. 
God created you. He birthed you into this world. You were saved and called with a holy, holy calling. Not according to your works, but according to his own purpose and grace before the world began. Summary, you were created to make a difference. And if you're not, and your spouse and you are not sharing that, then it's going to be flat. Flat all day. Nothing you're going to do about it. By the way, if you're not married, if you're single, if you're widowed, if you're not even interested in a relationship, it ain't enough to pay your bills. You want excitement in your life? Get living on a purpose, for a purpose, and change some people's lives. You're made for more. Look at somebody, tell them you're made for more. Now, so you've got a shared purpose, but you also need to honor each other's unique purpose. If you're in a relationship, you need to honor each other's unique purpose. Because your path, although you've got this shared purpose, you still have unique paths that you need to walk. There's things you're going to do that she's not going to do, that he's not going to do, and you need to honor each other's unique purpose. Now, I want to go back. I'm going to read again from 1 Corinthians 13. But I want you to hear this through a different lens. I'm, I'm going I'm to touch on a few things as we go through this. Love honors each other's unique purpose. Love ain't about you. Love's about what you can give. Listen to this about how love honors. Love is large and incredibly patient. Okay, let's just stop there. How many of you got a teenager in your life or a young adult that you parent? And you're having to exercise some patience as they discover their purpose. Just say, oh. Love is gonna be patient in the process. A little later it says, love, don't give up. Some of you have a spouse that you want them to live in their purpose, but they are dragging their feet. You know what their purpose is. They know what their purpose is, but they are fighting it. Love is incredibly patient. Love is large. Love does not run out. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all, especially when they're slow, especially when they do stupid stuff. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Listen, some of you, the biggest hindrance in your marriage right now is because you are in competition. You can't even rejoice when blessing comes to your spouse because you're jealous. Why do I always get these messages? Man, I love you so much. But you got to celebrate your spouse's purpose, their unique destiny. Celebrate. My pastor, I can remember being in his office over on Clay's Mill Road and back in his little office, and I remember when he said it to me. He said, Mark, you get what you celebrate. Some of you are horrible at celebrating other people's success. Blessing comes on them, and you get jealous. Blessing comes on them, and you start judging them. Blessing comes on them, and you're like, oh, well, who do they think they are? Stop it! Celebrate people. Listen, you got people on your team, you're a business owner. How many business owners in the room? 
Listen, you better lead the way in celebrating your team member's success. If they get so good that they get a better job, you better celebrate them on the way out the door because boom, look at you go, baby. Walking into your purpose, elevating in your life. Some of you, your kids have a purpose that's different than the one you had all planned out for them. You might need to let go and honor their unique purpose. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect. Just when it comes to someone pursuing their purpose, honoring their unique purpose, love says, I'm not gonna shame them or disrespect them. Whether they're living fully into it or they're dragging their feet or they've jacked it up so many times, you're, you're a little nervous that God might yank that purpose away from them. Love does not traffic in disrespect and shame. God does not work through guilt, shame, and condemnation. Neither should we. I might get past these verses. We'll see. Nor does it selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated. Love joyfully celebrates honesty, finds no delight in wrong. Listen, love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Listen, we've all got somebody in our life that they're not living into their purpose. They know it, we know it. And you can probably see their blind spot better than they can. But love them through it. Don't judge them. Don't shame them. Honor them. Believe the best. In the last verse, it says, love never gives up. Love never accepts failure as defeat, right? Don't give up. Some of you right now, you're gonna make a decision that says, I'm not giving up on them living into their purpose. So here's what happened for us. What we discovered when we went to that marriage intensive was part of why Katie was not happy with me was because Katie was not living into her purpose. And I was. And pardon the expression, it pissed her off. She didn't know it, but she was part of her anger was because Mark was going fully into his purpose and she wasn't. She felt stifled. She felt trapped being a mom in carpool lines, sleepovers, packed lunches. And well, I'll get to that in the next point. And so part of what we had to discover was we had to clear a path for her to pursue her purpose. One of my clients on a mastermind call a couple weeks ago, he said, here's my, my goal for this year is I'm going to clear a path for my wife to thrive. Come on. Some of you need to clear a path for your wife. Some of you need to clear a path for your husband. Some of you need to clear a path for your kids your team members, a business partner, a friend who needs you right now. They need you, they need you, they need you, and you've turned your back on them because you're not getting enough from them. And now you're gonna make a flip a switch and say, no, I'm gonna show up in this relationship to give, to support, to love, to honor their unique purpose, to speak life into them and say, listen, you got calling, you've got destiny, you were made for more. You've got to honor their unique purpose. 
You've got to celebrate them. You've got to push them into it. Uh, my wife's language was she had to find a way, and I think she shared it in here maybe, but she's 40 years old, switched jobs after 13, 14 years at the same company, switched jobs to a sales position to try something new, to get out of her comfort zone because it was, had become toxic in the other company. Went to the sales position. She's like, I'm gonna make it work. And after three or four months, she decided to face reality that she was miserable. She hated sales. And she said this, she said, I'm 40 years old. I'm too old to be doing something that doesn't make my heart sing. See, when you find your purpose, your heart sings. Be the one that helps. Listen, you want your marriage to be awesome until your spouse, their heart is singing and resonating, reverberating into the world and they're giving their greatness to the world. You're never gonna have the marriage you want because there's gonna be a low-grade dissatisfaction that they can't overcome. And here's, they're gonna expect you to meet that need that you weren't created to. Their purpose is created to meet that need. Making a difference every day in every way was created to meet that need. So you're gonna need to clear a path. Some of you saw in the last 30 days that my wife went public with the fact that she's launching an interior design company. Thank you. When she's designing, and some of you have been around her, when she's designing, when she's de decorating, has anybody seen my wife's heart sing in those environments, right? Yeah. Krista, Kristen Will, she did a lot of the design decorating for their wedding. And even though it was long hours and it was long and it rained the day of and all the craziness of it, like her heart was singing through every bit of that. And thankfully she went on a vacation the week after. <laughs> um, make your heart sing. Okay, I think I've drove that one home enough. Um, let's talk about point number two. You've got to be aligned in purpose. Number two, you've got to be aligned in partnership. This is huge, guys. Aligned in partnership. I'm gonna read several verses. I'm gonna go quick, keep up. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. How many have heard this verse quoted in churches over the years <coughs> and the connotation was, God made woman to do what the man wants him to? Anybody kind of felt that before? I think some of you are being politically correct by not raising your hand. It is horrible what a lot of religion has done to that verse. Listen to this verse in the Amplified that kind of gives a little better picture of the fullness of that verse. It says this in the Amplified, now the Lord God said, it is not good, beneficial, for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, one who balances him, a counterpart, See, counterpart implies equality. A counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. Ladies and gentlemen, God's design for marriage is not that the man rules over, but that there is partnership. That there is respect and honor and equality flowing both directions in the relationship. The stereotypes of the past, we might need to let go of some of those because they might not be biblical. Let's just get back to the Bible, right? 
Let's bring this home with Ephesians 5, 25, the ultimate balance to the, the husband being in charge and the wife doing what the husband wants them to. Yeah, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, gentlemen, not one of you in this room has lived up to that verse to the extreme that our Savior Jesus did because he gave himself up for her, literally his life. And so until, until we get to that point, all our talk of like, well, she should love me more and she should serve me more and she should like, like support me more, you ain't got no grounds to stand on. Because we're supposed to love her like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, this is only a principle for marriage, right? Mm -mm. There's some people who you want something out of and you've been trying to get them to do what you want them to do, trying to manipulate that out of them. What if maybe instead you just started loving and serving? Again, I come, keep coming back to business owners. Like, listen, loving your people well is the best business plan you could have. Yeah. Yeah. Love them, honor them, celebrate their success. Love people well. You want to be a person of influence? Genuinely care and love people well. You want people to align with the standard of God's word, holiness. Love people well. Have some conversations where you love people well and you might get a little more traction than telling them what they should and should not do. Trafficking in disrespect and shame, that might lean a little towards and love doesn't do that. And let's bring this home with one last verse, which isn't necessarily context of marriage, but this is kind of the full New Testament picture of partnership. First Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Biblical partnership is more than being a helper. Biblical partnership brings honor into a relationship where we honor each other's unique roles. Partnership makes us both feel valued Man, Holy Spirit's all over this stuff. Some of you don't feel valued in your marriage. And I'm sorry. Been there. Sucks. But in order to receive honor, you have to give honor. So instead of focusing on what I'm not giving, maybe it's a better question to say, what am I not giving that God calls me to give? Am I giving support? Am I giving honor? Am I giving them a clear path to fulfill their purpose, to fulfill their destiny? So let me take this another layer with partnership because here was a big, big, big one for Katie and I at this marriage intensive. I thought I had a good definition of partnership. I knew exactly what partnership was supposed to be and what it looked like. But my definition, was it the same or different than my wife's? It was very, very different, right? 
because what support meant to her and what support meant to me was very different, okay? And so I had to come to this understanding that my wife, if my definition of partnership, I'm overlapping a couple pieces here, but if my definition of partnership was that my wife was gonna support me, right, then I can support her. Now, most of you know I have a coaching business and I've been a pastor for 25 years and I coach hundreds of entrepreneurs all over the country and so I coach and I'm a pastor. I kind of like the gifts that God's given me to do that and my tendency is to want to apply those gifts, those God-given gifts in every relationship. But it's not appropriate in every relationship because does my wife want me to be her coach? <laughs> that was good. Man, you guys right on top of that. Some of you are like, really, Mark, you're an idiot? You're like, you didn't see that one? She doesn't want a coach. She doesn't want an expert. What she want? What does she need? She needs me to be her partner. She needs me to be her husband because that's my role and nobody else on the planet can be the same partner, the husband that she needs. That's my job. Now, your application may be unique in this, but maybe it's that your spouse doesn't need a boss. Your spouse does not need a controller. Your spouse does not need a fixer. You can amen any point if you want. (laughs) Try not to too much on your spouse there. Your spouse doesn't need any of those things. Your spouse needs a partner. They need a partner. By the way, can you see the application to your other relationships? You got some relationships that got some tension in them and it's because you're trying to be something they don't need you to be. Some of you got friends and you're trying to fix them and control them and boss them and it ain't working out too well, is it? It's like a prophetic word. No, it's not. Just common sense, folks. Be what you're supposed to be in the relationship. If you're married, be a partner. If you're a husband, be a husband. If you're a wife, be a wife. If you're a friend, be a friend. Some of you think your employees need a boss, but they actually need somebody to love them. Some of, like your kids, they need you to be a parent but they need you to be a parent that loves unconditionally rather than based on conditions. Your kids don't need you to be judge and jury. They just need you to be a safe place. That's what love is, right? A safe shelter. You remember the verse? Believes the best. Is patient, is kind. See, love leads us into partnership. But oftentimes we're too busy telling people what to do to be able to love them well. So be what you're supposed to be in the relationship. Um, When I stopped being my wife's coach, counselor, pastor, I mean, it was a heavy burden anyways. Who wants that? Do you know what happened? Eight months later, my wife said, I think I wanna hire a coach. And I tried to remain calm. We, I mean, we both knew she didn't want to hire me, so. But she said, I think I want to hire a coach because she saw the value and the need of it. 
She probably would have got there a whole lot sooner if I stopped trying to jack it up and be a coach. She was like, if all coaches were like him, I don't want one. <laughs> I know you guys are so much smarter and discerning than me. None of you would do that. But she got a coach. She launched a business, finding her path to purpose, feeling partnership, getting like us understanding what partnership is, which let me kind of break that down a little bit because one of the foundations of partnership is trust. You can't have partnership without trust. And what we discovered, again, I'm kind of being real and raw here, but what we discovered was that we had broken trust in our relationship. Most of you heard the story, financial mess, like dumb, dumb decisions, putting my head in the sand like an ostrich, avoiding conversations, not communicating with my wife, car was or house was almost foreclosed on twice, car was repossessed out of my driveway in the middle of the night, a lot of pain. Everybody say pain. And so because of all those things, and again, Katie would take ownership. It wasn't all my fault, although I take heavier. Um, it had broken trust in our relationship. Just broken trust to the point that what she helped, our counselor helped us see was Katie felt trust broken to the degree the same way when a, a partner has an affair with someone else and it takes that level of building, that's the degree to which she felt trust was broken. Day two of that intensive was gut-wrenching. As I sat and I listened to my wife express what she'd been feeling, the reality internally in which she had been living. And I was blind to it. I didn't see it. I thought it was this, 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 and this. But I didn't realize my own stupid mistakes and decisions that I made in the past, I hadn't taken full responsibility and we hadn't healed that the way we needed to. And because we hadn't healed and restored trust, we couldn't have the kind of partnership that God designed us for. And when, when you're in that place, Here's a little point. I just wanted to read this to get it right. Because my, our therapist shared this with us, and it's true, and some of you need to feel the, the truth of this, okay? Because if you, okay, so if you've been hurt and trust has been broken in your relationship, I'm about ready to say something that is a facing reality moment for you, but you've got to choose whether you're willing to accept this truth. When beliefs or thoughts or relational realities, right, when they get formed out of pain, we hold on to them with unreasonable tightness. And you're white knuckling some things from the past and you're not willing to let go. Again, broaden it beyond marriage. There's some singles in the room who you were hurt in a past relationship and it was painful, very painful, and you're holding on to that with unreasonable tightness. And you, won't, you put a wall up, a whole barricade all the way around you with a moat and alligators and you won't let anybody in 
And I'm telling you, if you ever wanna have a partnership with someone, the kind that you've always dreamt of, you're gonna have to learn to let go. You're gonna have to forgive. You're gonna have to allow other people to move forward and not be like that person that hurt you. Don't let them be that person that hurt you. If you're in a marriage right now, you're gonna have to learn. One of the greatest things, the gift that she gave us was she walked us through this little process where she helped Katie realize that she was seeing me through a past lens. She wasn't seeing me today that I had grown and made new decisions and created new realities and stopped blaming her and took responsibility. She wasn't seeing me in the new lens. She was seeing me through the stupid Mark lens. Stupid Mark hurt me, let me down. I can't trust what he says. He said, we're gonna do that and we didn't do it. He said he was gonna take care of that and he didn't take care of it. I mean, I told you I did stupid stuff, but that was here and we were over here and a lot had changed, but she was still looking at me through the past limbs. And some of you are doing that. And thank God I married to a woman who had the courage to let go. And so, you know, we're gonna leave that in the past and now we're gonna look at each other through a present lens. And when we look at each other today, we're not perfect, but we're not where we were, right? And so when you look at each other through a present lens, then you can actually move forward together. And that's what rebuilds trust. If trust has been broken, it's gonna take time to rebuild it. But if you commit to the process, you can do it. Let's go to the last point real quick. I can do this in five minutes here. Let's do this. Alignment in passion. Some of you are like, man, I've been waiting the whole time for you to get to the sex point. <laughs> Alignment in passion. Now, when we went to this marriage intensive, I wanna give you some shocking information. I knew, as I mentioned before, but just let's elevate this. I knew what needed to be addressed. I mean, there were some things on the list, but in the top three of the list, there was this one point that needed to be addressed more than everything else, of course, because I'm a man, I know these things. Because it's the cure-all in a relationship, right? Like if that's good, everything is good. And what am I talking about, of course? Talking about our feelings. No, I'm not. Sex, yes, definitely sex. Sex was not the issue. My daughter's face is going a little red on the front row. It's okay, though. It's okay, Al. It's the first service she's been in in months, and this is the one she comes into. It's okay. Learning life principles here. If you're not having sex in your marriage, I can almost guarantee you that sex is not the issue. Having more sex in your marriage almost never starts with having conversations about having more sex in your marriage. In fact, if you have enough of those, some of you can testify, it actually gets the direct opposite result of what you want. So where does it start? with all this other stuff we've been talking about. That's why I took more time on those points because that's what you needed. 
It's what I needed. I had all these rules about intimacy in our relationship and her responsibility. And yeah, we'd had those conversations about you're not supposed to deprive your husband of sex. It's in the Bible. <laughs> Except for a time for prayer. We don't need to be praying that much. What really mattered for the passion in our relationship? We had to get back to being aligned in purpose, our shared purpose, honoring each other's unique purpose, right? We had to be aligned in that. We had to be living on a mission, making a difference. Because if we weren't happy and fulfilled in here doing what God called us to do, our marriage didn't have a shot. And we had to get aligned in our partnership. We had to begin to honor each other. See, I'll tell you something about that partnership. One of my big things was, I thought I knew what it was gonna look like. I had a definition and it looked like Mark was like, Mark's the pastor and Mark has this business and he's growing this business and he's doing the ministry thing and my wife is the support, the helpmate and she's gonna take care of the kids and the house and she's gonna support me. Every now and then on a rare occasion, maybe iron a shirt for me. She doesn't like to iron. And she was gonna cheer me on and maybe come alongside me and be part of the business one day and have a role in that. And like, we we're gonna go on a rocket ship together. This was our partnership and we we're gonna change the world. But that wasn't my wife's definition of partnership. She was like, you go do your thing. I got this thing over here. And I was like, really? But you're supposed to help me and support me. And she... So we got to a definition where we could have our own unique path and marry our trajectories where she didn't have to do what I wanted her to do and I didn't have to do what she wanted me to do, but we could love and honor and support each other on the journey. My wife's gonna have the best interior design company in the state, yeah. maybe the country. Yeah. She's gonna be in demand. And now I can celebrate that path but before, there was a, well, that's taken away from this one that I thought this was the, the thing here. Does anybody relate to this? And so until that happened, she wasn't gonna feel seen. She wasn't gonna feel honored. And if she doesn't feel seen and honored, then she's not gonna respect me because I'm trying to tell her what to do and control her and coach her and do, like, here, honey, here's what you need to do. And if she doesn't feel respected, then there's gonna be no desire in our relationship. Our sex life had nothing to do with sex. It had to do with my wife feeling seen and known and heard and valued and celebrated. That's, we had to have emotional intimacy, intellectual intimacy, spiritual intimacy. We had to have all that. And then, oh, no, yeah, that physical thing takes care of itself. So for some of you, the thing you've been focused on is not the thing. You need to back up and do some deep work to get into alignment. By the way, I lied. Point number three, you can totally apply this to every area of your life. Like, not that you're gonna have sex with other people. That's not the outcome. But if people don't feel known, seen, heard, and valued in a relationship with you, they're never gonna do what you want them to do. They're never gonna build the thing you want them to build. They're never gonna support you the way you wanna be supported because they don't feel supported. Give more than you take. 
Be a giver, be generous, love, serve, see people, show up for people. And then you're gonna have strength in relationships like you've never had before. So here's your how to have more sex and passion in your marriage verse. Are you ready? Here it is. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Love your spouse. Love people. I don't care what the circumstances are, love wins. Love wins. If you're married right now, look at your spouse, look them in the eye and say, love wins. One last verse. Mark 10, nine. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Now, before Katie and I got married, we made a decision that divorce was not an option. <laughs> I'll never forget, I was, we were newly married and I was working at uh, a landscape nursery and we were on a break and one of the guys was getting engaged, he's getting married and he was like, yeah, over the weekend, I was like labeling, was dating myself, all my CDs and DVDs because, you know, if things don't work out, I want to be able to make sure I get all my stuff back. How many think it worked out for him? I don't know how long they made it, but it wasn't very long. If it's an option, it's probably gonna happen. Some of you, it's still an option right now, and you need to make a decision to tell your spouse because you're going through some rough stuff that, hey, that, that divorce is not an option. Now, again, different talk. I'm not giving this talk right now physical abuse and danger and things like that. There's some different conversations, but I'm talking, you're committed, you love each other. Listen, love is not your issue, it's understanding and alignment. You're not hearing each other. You're not seeing each other. And you need to do some work. And by the way, most of you are gonna need help to do this work. If you could have fixed it by now, you would have. And you haven't. So get some help. Tell the truth and get some help. If you don't know who, reach out. We got resources, we'll push them your way. It might just be a mentoring relationship. It could be someone here in this church that you're like, hey, you've been through some stuff. I could use, like, what'd you learn as you went through that? How many are married and you've been through some stuff, but you got through on the other side and you're feeling pretty good about things now? Yeah. How many, like, keep those hands up. How many of you that just raised your hand, like, there were some conversations that you weren't really sure you're gonna make it through? Yeah, I feel like new hands went up. Wow, look at that. <laughs> okay, you can put them down. You're not alone. You're not unique. We all got issues, okay? Well, we got to make some decisions to do things differently, to recommit. So I thought this might be fun. After that marriage intensive, uh, I, I have a practice of declaring things over my life every single day. I've had that for five plus years. Um, there's a life and death in the power of the tongue, Amen. And so I, I declare these things over my life. I do it in my daily creation sequence. For those of you who read the book, Creating Your Best Life. And here's what I created after the marriage intensive, and you'll recognize a lot of the language. But here's what I say over my marriage every single, well, six out of seven days in the week. And feel free to steal anything in here because I'm gonna challenge you. You need to take some statements that you're gonna speak over your marriage 
and you need to declare and create the marriage that you want. So here's what I speak. I consistently manifest my best energy for Katie and the kids. Some of you, that's the only statement you need because you've been giving your family leftovers and that's not okay. You need to show up for your family. Anyways, I love, lead, and serve my family with integrity. I am gentle and kind with their hearts. My word is unshakable. I do what I say I will do. I am trustworthy. My love changes everything. Katie is my queen and my partner in creating our best life. We are creating the marriage God intended for us. We move toward understanding and alignment that creates purpose, partnership, and passion. Katie is thriving in her creative flow and fulfilled in her purpose every day. Pursuing her dreams makes her heart sing. Our partnership makes us both feel valued, honored, and supported. We live our lives aligned with love and contribution. Our hearts are soft towards each other, and we make it easy to love each other. Every day, our love and trust is growing, along with our desire to serve one another. Passion flows from our partnership and purpose and our deep emotional, spiritual, physical intimacy. By the way, previously, before this thing, I had like two, three lines in my affirmations about our marriage and the one I'm getting ready to read to you about sex, like it was like the only line that like mattered to me. So you can see like I got focused on the things that mattered. So we are lovers. The intimacy we share is electric. TCS is all the time. If you don't know what TCS means, you need to ask somebody at the Geek Marriage. Um, TCS is all the time. Katie is my number one fan. Every day I will light her up. I will serve her first. I will adore, treasure, honor, and lavish love on her every day. I give Katie thoughtful gifts often, and I, hold my, I am flexible, and I hold my plans loosely. But somebody struggles with impatience. What are you speaking over your marriage? What's the deep work you need to do? So right now, I hope if you're taking notes, jot it on your phone. If you're married, I'll get the rest of you here in a sec. If you're married, what is it that you need to work on in your marriage? Are you out of purpose? Are you out of partnership? Are you out of passion? Like, where do you need to work? And if you go to passion first, back up to one of the other two because you need to start there. I love you. If you're not married or not in a serious relationship, what relationship, what principle do you need to apply? Do you need to build trust? Do you need to honor people's purpose? Do you need to be more patient in love? Right now, write it down. And if you're married, you ought to have a few points that you're writing down. If you desire to be married, you might be making some commitments about what you want your relationship to work with, look like and the work you're committed to do so that you can have the marriage you want. So what's the work you need to do? Build trust, live on purpose, make a difference. Just love people. Oh my gosh, if we just walked out of here loving people more, wouldn't the world be a better place? But if we move from me to we, everything changes. Amen? Maybe that's your takeaway. I'm gonna make things less about me and more about we. Why don't you stand to your feet? Um, I'm gonna pray two prayers here as we wrap up. Um, the first one is this. There is one relationship above all else that has to be in alignment <laughs> for everything else to work. And that's the relationship with Jesus. We, most of us here, we know that. But listen, if your life is out of whack, whether that's your marriage or your business or a friendship or like you're feeling aimless and you don't have any purpose in your life, if there's stuff that is completely out of whack, you, you can do everything I just said, but miss the point where you 
come back home to a relationship with Jesus and it ain't gonna work out too well because you need some supernatural assistance. Katie and I are still a work in progress. Do you think we need the Holy Spirit to help us love each other well? Yeah, you need that too. We all need that. And so I want you to bow your heads, just close your eyes. And if you're in here, this is very simple. Do you feel far from God right now? Because if so, you need to come home. He loves you. He loves you right where you're at. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to create anything. You don't have to become anything. God loves you, period. And he wants to be in relationship with you. And that one relationship gives you supernatural ability to create some health and strength in other relationships. But don't skip this one. It's the most important one because that's where your strength comes from. That's your source. So if you're in this room today, everybody's heads are bowed and eyes are closed and you're like, hey, I need Jesus because I don't have that relationship right. Maybe you, you were close to him before, but now you feel far from him. And if you need to come home, this is your moment. So on the count of three, God, I pray you give him courage right now to respond to your love. It's the goodness, the love of God that leads us to repentance. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. He's not judging you, he's not condemning you. He has been patient for you to come to this moment to make this relationship right. So I'm just gonna count to three and I just want you to slip your hand up and we're gonna pray for you right where you're at. It's time to come home. It's time to let him love you and stop trying to get yourself ready. It's time to let him love you. So. On the count of three, just slip your hand up. We're gonna pray for you right where you're at. One, two, three. Who needs to come home? He loves you. Okay. I leaned over to Pastor Steph on the front row before I came up here and I said, Steph, there are more married couples here today than I've seen in weeks. It's like God sets you all up. If you're married, grab your spouse's hand. If you're single and you desire to be married, release your faith in this moment, but I am gonna focus specifically on married couples right now. If your husband's in the sound booth, you can totally go to him. If anybody else qualifies for that. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. You're holding your spouse's hand, you're in this room. I want you to whisper into their ear, something you want them to hear right now. Maybe something that God convicted you of in this talk. Maybe a commitment you made, just you. Please don't tell them what they need to do. But whisper something in their ear, appropriate in church. Come on now, people, we're applying the word of God here. Tell them something. Tell them something from you to them, from your heart to their heart. What do they need to hear? I'm gonna give you a moment here. If your spouse isn't here, you can lock this message in your heart to give it to them when you get home or whenever you see them. All right, married couples, might be awkward for others in the room. I want you to turn to each other. I want you to embrace, and I'm gonna pray over you right now. Jesus, I thank you for these couples. God, I thank you for, for your plan for a husband and wife to come together where the two become one flesh. And God, right now, I pray for every single marriage in this room represented. I pray for strength. I pray for wholeness. I pray for courage 
to do the deep work, the hard stuff, to have the hard conversations so that they can be the beacon of light that you've called them to be. God, I pray for grace for each other that when they wonder, should I give grace, that grace is always warranted, that there's always more grace to give. And God, I pray for supernatural ability, that you would strengthen them to love well. Just like those verses in 1 Corinthians, God, that you would strengthen them to love well. For those that their spouse isn't in the room, maybe they're just not here today, or maybe they're not such a church person, God, I pray for supernatural working in those marriages. God, show them what they need to do. For those in this room, show them what they need to do. What do they need to give? What honor, what support, what love, what grace, what forgiveness, what do they need to walk, let go of and walk away? Not the relationship, but they just need to let go of that bitterness and that anger. Heal hearts, heal relationships right now. And God, for everybody else in the room, whether you're single and desiring or not, God, I pray that you would help us to see the power of relationship, of connecting, of thriving, of loving people well. God, let us be light and love everywhere we go. God, I pray for the singles that you won't let them settle for less than your best and that you're preparing that individual. If it's the desire of their heart, God, you're preparing that individual for them and you're getting them ready for that relationship. Give them the courage to do the work. I thank you for it, God. I pray it in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Married couples, you need to have some conversations after today. Have some conversations. I think I might try and do a couple Facebook Lives on a couple more specific things, but I love you guys.